What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. I'm on this ride forever, but I know there have been ups and downs, and I'm sure there will be a lot more ups and downs as the years continue, but it's not really failure if you learn from it and you get up and you keep trying. And sometimes our darkest moments and hardest lessons give us the biggest highs later. And it's not until we're at that high mountaintop that we can track it back to that low valley, but that is part of the resilience of being a business owner. Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart-opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in-between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJeso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will get you real results. Because let's face it, Having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is the place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am super excited to dive into my conversation with Ashley Taylor. Ashley is an award-winning portrait photographer and photography educator speaker. With 13 years in the photography industry, Ashley has built a six-figure studio and loves coaching other photographers to do the same. Ashley is an official mentor with the Portrait System and an educator in the Portrait Masters store. Ashley has spoken at the Portrait Masters Conference, WPPI, and Ashley's photography has been published online and in print in publications such as Style Me Pretty and The Knot Magazine. And I first discovered her on Instagram through an ad, through a Google ad, which is like super pertinent to this conversation because I'm talking about today. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us who you are and what you're passionate about. Yeah. So I'm I'm Ashley Taylor. I am a portrait photographer. So I came up 
well, first I started in weddings, but in 2015, I got burnt out and quit those. So we won't talk about that. (laughs) But I came up kind of in the Sue Bryce glamour portrait studio world. So I, I really actually love shooting boudoir and glam, kind of like a hybrid of the two of them and also personal branding, which I know feels like so different than like glamour and lingerie, but I feel like it's all about confidence at the end of the day. And I guess if I was going to pick like a through line to even my coaching as well, I would say that it always comes back to confidence because I really like helping people find their confidence, whether that is feeling like a star in front of the camera or that is with running your business and making making money, feeling confident, making money. Because I know as someone who's creative, it can be this constant struggle between your creative side and your hustler side and how to marry the two. And sometimes you can have confidence in one area, not the other. And so that's really where I like to help people. It's so true. Cause I know like I have a lot of creative confidence, but when it comes to like asking for what I'm worth, that is the hardest thing, you know, like, yeah, it's like, how do you get to that point where you're like, I am worth this. And I like, it, it comes down probably to self-value and like, they're so multi-layered. So how do you help your clients get to that point where they are able to ask for what they're worth? So I, like you said, I do think it's a lot about self-value and mindset. And I think there's, again, like you said, it's a multi-layered path and And there is no arrival point, I also want to say, because I also think that like the higher you climb, then there's like, you get to this new level and then what felt like big, scary numbers to ask for a few years ago that now feel easy. There's new, big, scary numbers that you might want to be going after. So there is like this never ending kind of arrival where there's always like a little bit of a carrot we might be chasing after. And I do think it's as much a spiritual journey being a business owner as it is being you know, this actual like logistical systematic business, right? But one trick that I really like to tell people is to do two things. One is connect to your why. Why are you passionate about helping this person? And then two, connecting to any form of testimonials that you have. Because I think that with creatives and with myself, imposter syndrome can be extremely high. And so we need anchors to remind us that sometimes we paint a harsher picture for ourselves than what's true. And when you, as a photographer, read testimonials about how you've helped literally change someone's self-image or you've given them like amazing memories or something beautiful to look at all the time, that really is like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this and that's why I'm good at this and that's why I'm worth it. So I think anytime before you get on a sales call, for example, or like an initial inquiry call, it's really good to have like a kind of anchoring practice of like taking five minutes to breathe, (laughs) shake your body and get some of the nervous energy out, read through past testimonials and not just skim them, but like actually like take it in and soak in those words. And if you can have like a little spiritual practice around that and then also kind of set an intention for the call which isn't attached to an outcome so usually I like to say something along the lines of like I'm just here to help someone decide if this is the right fit for them or not and if it's not the right fit for them a better client will come along so if not this then something better and it kind of just helps diffuse the situation so that it's not now about 
like, oh my God, do they think I'm worth it? But it's just about, can I help this person decide if this is aligned for them? And also if it's not aligned for them, I don't really want to be working with them either. Totally. That's huge for me is making sure that things do feel in alignment because there's so many times, and it's funny, I recently just did a TikTok on this about firing a client with love. Like when you get to that point where you, they, you know, they've booked you, but you kind of come to realize like, oh gosh, like maybe this isn't the client for me. Maybe this doesn't align. And I think that's like another like next step in our self-worth that we're like, okay, like this isn't going to fit, but maybe this is a great person for someone, someone else. Yeah. And so when you look at it that way as like, okay, it's not fit, fit for me, but this is now a positive for someone else to take on. It feels like you're letting them go with that love versus like, I'm dumping you or you're dumping me. Like, you know what I mean? Like it takes away the negative feeling from it. Yeah. And sometimes it's also like what they want as well. Like I, a long time ago when I was a wedding photographer, I remember having to kind of, like you said, fire a wedding client, but it wasn't really firing the wedding client because they, they were clearly unhappy as well. And it was clearly not working for either one of us. My anxiety came from, it was getting kind of close to their wedding. And I felt like if I let her go, she won't be able to find someone new, but I actually like got to have the full conversation and say like, this is what I'm thinking that you would be better off with another photographer, but I also don't want to like ditch you yeah before your wedding if there's not enough time to find another photographer but as soon as I said that she was like quickly like oh yeah I can find another photographer so I was like she was happy and like you know and then I was like great you know because then it was like everyone's happy so sometimes we think we owe someone something and it's like they're not wanting that either they're wanting to move along as well so it was like I don't. It was like a a mutual. What is Gwyneth Paltrow? Like a mutual <laughs> yeah, like a conscious uncoupling. I love that. <laughs> so that's kind of what it was. And sometimes you just have to. I mean, it's rare. I think that was really like the one time in my career. But it that was necessary, and I'm so glad I didn't go through with that wedding. It's so funny because you know now that it sparked a memory for me because I had a client a few years ago and she loved my work, but she also really loved lifestyle work. And she felt really obligated to go with me for her newborn session. And I, and she, then she was showing me all these Pinterest things and like, it really was lifestyle. It looked nothing like my work. And I was like, you know what, you know, who would be really amazing is this other local photographer that does this style. And I was like, just, you know, if you want to do family session later on, that's cool. But I really think what you're after is what this person can do. And she's like, well, I really, I really want you to do it. Cause I was like, but I just can't deliver that. Like, yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Fly little bird. Like <laughs> Exactly. And then everyone, like you said, wins because the other photographer wins, the client wins because they ultimately get what they want. And then you win because you're not going down this road of trying to create something that you can't create and then making someone unhappy with the expectations. And yeah, so that is definitely <laughs> expectations are everything. <laughs> right. And just like getting into that alignment of like yourself and like what you can provide and what you want to do. Like as soon as you're in that zone, like that's where the magic happens. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we're going to switch to your gears. We're going to dive right into like some marketing. Okay. So so many of us photographers that, especially those that have been at it for a while, we've just relied on posting on social media as our ad strategy. Now, can you share maybe why diversifying and learning other methods like Google ads is really important for photographers? Yeah. Well, I also want to clarify something. So posting is not an ad. No. 
So it's just organic. So advertising means you have advertising dollars and budget behind it. It's totally different. So there is a lot of confusion over those two things in the industry. And then also boosting a post is technically an ad because you are paying for it, but that's actually not the proper way to run ads. So that's another just point of confusion. Sometimes people will say, I run Facebook ads, but they've boosted a few posts. And that's really not exactly the same thing. Although it can feel like that. Um, Boosting is essentially like, not to sound mean, but it's like, you know, those books for dummies. It's kind of like Facebook advertising for dummies is what boosting is. It's just to make it really accessible. Another point of clarification would just be the difference between Google ads and Facebook ads, which two different tech companies, right? So Facebook is really meta now and meta owns Facebook and Instagram. So those would be ads that are placed on those platforms. And Google ads owned by Google It's again, a huge network of ads. So anything that Google owns, you could have YouTube ads or display banner ads or e-commerce ads. But for photographers, what I have found in my experience is that the search campaigns and smart campaigns, which essentially like show up when a person types in a search to Google. And if you've designated that exact search or something extremely similar, your ad will then pop up at the top of the Google search results that that person typed in. So just to make it super clear, if a person sat down at their computer and typed boudoir photographers in Santa Barbara, and I have designated that as one of my targeting keywords, then my ad will pop up at the top of a Google search result. Does that make sense if it's matching? Yeah. So two totally different types <laughs> of ads. <laughs> now, would you say one is more effective than the other? So yeah, that's a great question. And I'm not even sure if I answered your original question, which is like <laughs> why it's important to do. So let me just back on that. So why is it important to do? First of all, not everyone not everyone is cut out to run ads. I do want to say that because you have to be in a point of your business that you are willing to invest both the money into the advertising and time to really understand what you're doing. Because a lot of photographers, I think, think that it's going to be some like little magical situation where they just set up an ad and they don't really understand the ins and outs of it. And then they swear them off because they say they don't work. But the thing is, when you do invest that time and money and you do understand how that works, or of course you get an agency or someone to do it for you, you can really see amazing results because what's happening is you're essentially buying back your time. You are showing up either on Google or in people's Facebook and Instagram feeds. And we all know organic reach is very low these days, right? So you're showing up at a much higher rate and you're just getting in front of more people. And so therefore you are getting more visibility and then hopefully getting more leads and clients, right? So that's why to do them. the Do Google ads or Facebook ads, which one is better? I teach both. I run both and I love both. They are symbiotic. I don't think one is better than the other, but they do work really differently. And so it's important to understand what that is. So a Facebook or Instagram ad shows up in your feed as you are scrolling. We've all seen them a million times, right? 
they can be targeted different ways. They can be targeted toward a warm audience. So someone who's already been to your website or been to your Instagram. So an ad like that might look like reminding someone to book a photo shoot. Hey, you've already been interested or or perhaps the ad copy is answering an objection, like something around maybe money objections, which is a common one, or maybe uh, if it's a boudoir shoot, I know losing weight body issues tends to be in the boudoir space, right? So why why do this session if you aren't feeling confident in your body right now? And then it can answer that objection. That would be like an example of a really good idea for a retargeting ad. You can also target cold audiences, so people who aren't familiar with you. Um, and then you're kind of working with demographics and interests. There's no exact in Facebook, there's no exact way to say, hey, this person really wants to do a photo shoot, right? There's no targeting around that. So typically with a Facebook or Instagram ad, you do have to come up with some sort of campaign or offer that is so enticing that it stops people in its tracks and it makes them, even though they didn't wake up that day, necessarily have it on their radar to book a photo shoot, they're now highly interested in booking a photo shoot. Google, on the flip side, you're targeting it based on the keywords that have been input, right? And people are searching. So what that means is if someone woke up that day and they actually went to their computer because they are searching for a boudoir photographer, they're already educated that they want a boudoir shoot, they just don't know who to hire and they don't have maybe anyone to ask for a personal referral. So they're sitting down and they're typing in something like boudoir photographer near me, boudoir photographers, Santa Barbara, professional boudoir studio, something like that, right? You can, again, target for those exact search terms, and then you will show up when the searches align. So that is the power of Google Ads, is that the person was actively looking specifically for a photographer. And so what I found is that lead costs can be higher on Google ads. However, they also convert at a much higher rate because they were already very interested in booking this shoot. Because they're already searching for those terms to begin yeah. with. And you're they're yeah. like, okay, well, here's your like top of the menu. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's just sometimes people will ask too, like, well, why run ads if I'm already showing up at the top of Google? And so like you have good SEO. That's a, It's a great question. And obviously for the person who has really good SEO, maybe it's not as important, but there are so many competitive markets out there where, I mean, we all know it can be really fickle and hard to get at the top on the first page of Google and stay there. And also there's a no like and trust factor here. So the more times someone sees your name on the first page of Google, even if it's in an ad, that's not how our brains work. We just see something a bunch of times and we already believe that it's the best, right? So if you even are someone who comes up on the first page of Google, like maybe in the map section, maybe in a listing, and then now you're in the ad, you're in three spots, like that makes you look pretty like subconsciously in the two seconds that people make little decisions without even, you know, first impressions without realizing it. You've already made a strong first impression because your name showed up three times. So that is another reason why ads can be so powerful. Now, because I know that you can burn money really quick on Facebook ads and probably Google ads too. Mm -hmm. How do you know whether something's successful and how do you know 
to stay within a budget and what you what you can even really be spending and afford? Yeah, so obviously it's a, it's a complicated question. Right? <laughs> um, I do kind of cover it in detail in my in my courses, but I will try to like top line it right now without getting too complicated. So obviously you do have to understand what you can afford to spend, and numbers are going to depend also de- like on your how much you charge and what your average sale is, right? Because yep. You can afford more if you are higher ticket, right? <laughs> yeah. But also your lead cost might be more if you're a higher ticket because you it's you're you're act, asking for a, a client who is not the everyday client, right? So not everyone is willing to just drop two thousand dollars on a photo shoot. So you have to keep those things in mind. As far as like burning money, this is a question that gets asked a lot. So you can definitely overspend, but If you are managing your ads, which means you don't just set them up and walk away from them, or you don't just keep throwing money at it for no reason, but if you actually are educated on like, what is a conversion rate? What is a click-through rate? How are my ads stacking up? Like, what changes do I need to go ahead and make because I'm not seeing the results that I'm after? If you're educated on those things, it's more of a science experiment than it is a burning money because even if you aren't getting the results you want, you are getting data. And if you're analyzing the data correctly and making the correct next step moves from those decisions that you've, like from the data that's come in, you are just getting information that you can use to improve down the line. It's just a common thing that people will spend $100 freak out and then swear them off forever. Yeah. (laughs) That's not really the way you should think about it. You should think about it like, hmm, I spent $100. I was hoping to have a lead by now. Let's go look at this. Do I need to change my ad copy? Maybe. Let's go look at my conversion rate. Is this web page actually doing a good job communicating what I do? Do I need to tweak my calls to action? Like really looking at the steps here and analyzing it and seeing how you could be better. Because the truth is that there are photographers out there having success with ads and there's businesses of all kinds having so much success with ads. So it's not like the world isn't conspiring against you and ads don't just personally not work for you. You just have to refine your process. Totally. It's like trying to use a camera and like setting everything up, but you put your lens cap on and you're like, oh, my camera doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or your battery's dead or something. Like, yeah. You're just like... And we all start somewhere and it's like, no one like is born an advertising genius, like especially as photographers. So if you want to learn this, you have to understand that it's, you want to learn this because you see the value in buying your time back and you're, you don't have more capacity to do more networking and you want more leads and bookings, but you just don't have the capacity to do any more of the free or free is a misnomer because it costs time or in some cases it does cost money. Like networking events, I think are, people forget that they cost money is what I've noticed is like cost me like $125 typically to go to a luncheon in my town. And Sometimes I don't see any immediate return on investment. Of course, I'm making great relationships and I'm not knocking networking at all. It's been a huge part of my business and I still do it. But I just think there's this funny thing. People say networking is free and it's like, I don't know what's going on in your town, but in my town, (laughs) it is not free. (laughs) Totally. Well, even like if you think about the time, like whatever you're going to be making, like what what do you earn per per hour? Plus, like if you have to, to drive there, the cost of the lunch. 
and like parking even. And like it adds up and you're like, well, what if you took that money and also put that into a Google ad or a Facebook ad? Yeah, exactly. So it's just, that's what it is. It's just buying your time back. And then there's like some people will say, okay, well then I'll just get an agency to do it, which that's great. I'm not saying not to do that. You just have to be aware that agencies are expensive. You pay an agency fee and then of course you still have to pay your ad budget fee. At your ad budget, you have to pay Google ads for whatever they're spending. So that's usually the cost times two, right? So like you might be paying an agency four to $800 a month, maybe more to manage your ads. And then you're paying 300 to I don't know, 1500 Some agencies also have high minimums, like they want you to spend $800 a month on ads to even work with them. So now you're talking over $1,000 to work with an agency every single month when you could be doing it yourself for significantly less. And then not everyone has the time or desire to do that. So that extra money is worth it to them. And that's totally fine. But that is just a common question I get asked is like, why not use an agency? And and some agencies don't even specialize in working with photographers either. So that's another, I, I actually, I decided to learn Google ads because I had a negative experience with an agency and they just couldn't get my ads dialed in. And I was like, $5,000 later, I'm kind of over this. (laughs) So I decided to, I was like, you know what? I learned how to use Facebook ads so I can learn how to use Google ads. (laughs) I love that. I know. And there's like, there's so many because there's Pinterest ads. There's like TikTok ads. Like there's so many different ways to diversify. Yeah. And I don't even know anything about those. (laughs) (laughs) Next, right? I know, right? (laughs) I love it. And also, you know, what's fascinating too is like the ad costs can certainly change depending on the time of year yes. that you're advertising, like Black Friday times or even like around Christmas, like the ads costs skyrocket, right? Yeah. So ad costs vary based on time of year. They also vary based on markets, like just your your industry plus your geographic location. So that's one thing that makes it hard sometimes to teach ads because people want like this cookie cutter response to everything. And the, the truth is there isn't, but I can always teach people best practices and how to think about the results that they're getting and how to think about their budget better and how to think about how to use the ads more effectively. So it's not, I'm, I'm someone who always says like, I can't give you a magic formula that's one size fits all because it's going to be different for everyone, but I can teach you and empower you to understand how this whole system works so that you can make the best decisions for yourself and your business. And that's really like been my philosophy as a coach the whole time is like, how can I empower you to just understand this and think about this better so that you can make the best decisions for you? Because the best decisions for you might not be what's best for me and what might not be what's best for somebody else. And I think there are some coaches out there who try to give cookie cutter or like this magic formula where if you just use this exact wording and this exact system, it's always going to work. And then it it doesn't. And it's like it, things like that just don't work for, for everyone or in perpetuity. So that's just not the coach that I want to be for people. I love that. Well, because like we've been in business for like, well, 13, 14 years and we've hired coaches. And it's funny because things and it's typically never within our own industry. And so when it is that like cookie cutter approach that everything should be working for everyone and you're the one that it doesn't work for, how do you think like that makes your 
mentee or you're like whoever you're helping feel like it makes you feel like you're just like unhelpable and like your industry sucks or like your business is a failure. Yeah. Right. And instead like, and instead I love that you teach that you empower them to like work with what works for them. That's, I love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. So how do you know if your ad's working or not? Yeah. So, I mean, the basic would be, are you getting leads? Are you getting what is called conversions um, in the ad space? So you do have to set your ads up correctly, which I teach to com- track conversions. And from that, not only are you getting leads, but you can also see your conversion rate within the analytics of your ad. And so there are different metrics, but in Google Ads, for example, if your ad is not converting at at least 1%, you're really in trouble and you want it to be between three and five, that would be great. And if it can be even higher than that, obviously even better. But that is just like a kind of key key metric because if your ad's not converting, if it's not getting you leads, then that's a problem because <laughs> that's the whole point of the ad. Yeah. And a lot <laughs> yeah. of... um people either when they're learning through YouTube or other online courses I've noticed don't learn conversion tracking. They learn to just send traffic to the page, which is not the best way because just because you're getting a lot of traffic doesn't mean that you're getting a lot of inquiries. And so when you don't have the conversion rate metric, you don't really have the full picture. So it is really important to set your ads up for conversions. And if that's like crazy lingo, that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry, you have to like (laughs) dive into ads world. I know sometimes it's like when I started in photography, even hearing the word leads to describe an inquiry, I was like, why do they keep saying leads? Like just, I don't like that. Just say inquiries. I know, right? Or leads or lead magnet or lead page. And you're just like, my brain hurts, right? Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's just the wording. But like for the lack of just ease, a conversion is in our case as photographers, an inquiry. And a lead is obviously an inquiry. So think of that to be synonymous. I love that. Love that. Okay. So I have another question and it is, what if you're getting good click-throughs, but you aren't booking? And what advice do you have for those that are maybe stuck in the click and ghost? Yeah. So click through is just someone sees your ad and then they're excited enough to actually click on it, right? So you're saying people are clicking on the ad, but you're not getting the inquiries, which would be the situation where your conversion rate is low. So that usually means that there's something wrong with the website itself that you're sending the traffic to because the ad is exciting people, but they're falling off and they're not taking action on the website. And that can be for obviously a variety of reasons, but I would say one of the most common reasons is the calls to action are not clear enough, but it can be anything from not well-written copy to the pictures not enticing someone to just the layout not being good to having too much copy where people are like oh like like, yeah (laughs) so that's why having a really like a good understanding of what makes a page convert well is really important and also again having that ability to test and try things out because ads are all about testing. So maybe you need to change the page that you're sending people to either literally send them to a different page or change what's on the page that you're sending people to. So that that would be why I would say that's happening. And then if you're getting the leads, but you're not getting the actual people converting to bookings, that's kind of, again, an educational problem, right? So 
they got a certain impression from the ad and the website that when they get the full picture from you, it's not aligning. And that's, again, why it gets really hard for me as a coach to like kind of um, people will say like, well, what can I expect my results to be? And it's like, some of this is on you. You have to be good at converting your leads into clients. You have to be aligned in your communication the whole way through the process. So again, I love to help people think about this and guide them as much as I can through the process. And I love for students to take ownership that some of this is on you and you need to really self audit on where are the holes in my communication? Where could I refine my systems better? And where maybe am I not in alignment with my own communication? What's your view on having your pricing right on your website? I think it's a good thing because obviously if we're out of someone's price range, like why, you know, then you're paying all this money for for leads and ads. And if the bulk of those people can't afford you, yeah, that's unless you want to have an associate photographer who is at a lower rate, which potentially you could do, right? But that's like, you know, at the end of the day, I think people... I like to think of myself too as a client and like I value my time. So I don't mind getting on the phone with someone if it's a service I'm really interested in to and it's a high touch, high ticket to learn more about it. But I at least want to know if I can even afford it. So I don't think you need to have and I wouldn't even recommend having like every package and every single detail because that can get overwhelming. But you should at least give people an understanding of what they can expect to pay. And I even have now on my contact form a button that says, I understand that prices start at $1,197 and go up from there depending on the package. And that is in my budget, basically, because I don't want to work with someone who doesn't understand that. And it kind of gives me anxiety at this point to get on me anxiety to get on the phone with people if they aren't aware of my prices, because I don't like getting told that. I'm not worth it, you know? Like, I know, it's like her biggest, it just was like soul crushing, right? Yeah, like, so I'd rather just know on the, the inquiry. And I mean, the truth is most people don't actually finish filling out the inquiry if they see that it's not. Usually once the inquiry comes through, it's like, yeah. And then I'm like, great, I'm happy to get on the phone with this person now. So it changes my energy in how I show up as well. Totally. It kind of reminds me, like if you were to see like a beautiful million dollar mansion and you're like, I don't know if this is like 200,000 or if this is like 5 million and I'm still going to like email the realtor and like just book it. Like that's why the li- the prices are listed because we yeah. know if we can afford it. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think there's this like miss this thing in our industry that's like, oh, pre- like affordability isn't real. If people really want to work with you, you can uh, overcome anything. And I think that is to some extent a little bit true. And it's also a lot not true. Like it's, it's a more gray area than that. There are people who literally can't afford it and that's okay. And they're not our client. And then there are people who can afford it and might really be interested if they just don't understand what's involved. And those are the people that we're speaking to, but they have to have at least a little idea that, oh, that like, I'm open to spending that money. If it is in fact something that I really want to do, and it sounds really good and is really worth it. And so I think that's, it's in that gray area that we just need to be more, we need to be talking about a little bit more because not everyone has like, and it's not even about the job that you have. It's just like, not everyone has those values. Not everyone has the extra money and you can't just convince anyone into buying a photo shoot. 
And to be completely honest, if someone is, is struggling to pay their bills, if they're struggling to pay their mortgage or get groceries on their table, I really don't want to sell them into my package. Yeah. Like I really don't. I want them to feed their family and to like survive. Like, yeah, that's more important to me than them booking me. Yeah. Like the right, the right people will come into my life. And I, and I, and I trust the universe is going to provide that for me. Exactly. I love that you touched on that because I think that that is something that is really wrong in our industry. It's like, if they want it, they'll, they'll save up for it and they'll buy it. And that's not true because that's coming from such a place of privilege. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, and there are photographers who are lower cost. And for some people that that is all they can do. You know, I I know people who like, you know, when the school offers a little fundraiser photo shoot for 150, that is the only photo shoot they can afford. And like, thank God that they get to have their family photos taken, you know? Yes. Thank goodness there is options for every single budget. Exactly. Like that's beautiful. Like like that is, yeah, we need that in our industry. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then it's our job to communicate like, okay, so that exists and why is that like, how are we different and why are you paying these prices? And that I think, and not in a defensive way, but just in a like, let me paint the picture for you of how this is different than any other photo shoot you've had and why it costs this amount of money. And if you want this and that sounds good to you, then let's keep talking. Because that's kind of the way I think about it is just like, totally. if you if you like this idea and you want to keep going down. And sometimes people will ask me straight up like, well, gosh, why is this so expensive? And I sometimes just say, you know, you heard me explain the whole experience. I have to pay my hair and makeup team. I have to... I pay rent on this private studio that we're doing the shoot at. We're in Santa Barbara of all places. (laughs) Like we talked about the retouching that costs money as well. Like I just kind of walk them through it. And then they're like, I'm like, this is a magazine quality product and you're getting a celebrity quality product. And it kind of has some celebrity quality pricing attached to it. And that's just what it is. If you wanted something totally different, it would be priced totally differently, but that's not what I'm offering. And then like some people are like, okay, then that that's not for me. And then some people are like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I do want the glam squad and the A team, so I guess I'm gonna pay the A team prices. Some people like to shop at Walmart for their groceries. Some people can afford to shop at Walmart for their groceries, and that's where they choose to shop. Some people go to Air One. It's okay. And some people shop at all of the above. Like I shop at Target, and I shop what? at like fans, and I bought like a YSL bag before. You know what I mean? Like because sometimes it's like there's a special occasion, and you want to really go out for this particular thing. But that doesn't mean that like the bag I want to carry every single day that I'm gonna like, you know, when I go traveling and is gonna be on the subway with me and like in places where it could get damaged. I want to take my YSL bag. I want to take my Target bag. <laughs> to that place so I mean yeah Yeah. and like so some people will want the big expensive photo shoot for a really momentous occasion in their life and then they might do the mini sessions for their kind of annual family photos and that's okay too you know they could still be the same actually they could still be the same client and actually the same person they just have different values for different needs in their business or not in their business, but in their life. And I, I love that you touched on that too, because I think that it's so funny because photographers can get so territorial about their clients and especially when their clients go and have an experience with, with another photographer. And it like is, is quite tricky. It's like, what did I do? What did they do wrong? And it's like, maybe it's nothing. Maybe they just wanted a different experience. Maybe it was a different budget. Maybe it's just 
they wanted to try McDonald's or they wanted to try a different restaurant and that's yeah. fine. It's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. One of my friends in this industry, Jamali Shepard, she made a Facebook post a few months ago, but it really stuck with me. And it was kind of about like, it's okay if you're my client and you go to someone else and you want to try a different experience. Like everyone has their own signature style and signature experience. And and like, you are not obligated to me because you hired me once. And I just thought it was so beautifully written and a sentiment you don't see expressed very often and it really stuck with me and then it also you know she and she was honest in the post too she was like do I get a little bit bummed out if you go with someone else yes but that's my responsibility to handle like my feelings of jealousy you are your own person and you're allowed and you should go have the experiences that you want to have in life and I just thought like gosh if humans could get to this enlightening point where we didn't feel so territorial over people or jealous or have so much like it was just so it was just so beautifully written and just so like I think the person I aspire to be I guess (laughs) not always like like she said it's natural I think it's human to feel jealous or disappointed when a client goes somewhere else but the truth is that we are offering maybe a service that For me, as a boudoir kind of glam session, I do get repeat clients, but for some people, this might be their once in a lifetime, go all out, feel like a celebrity experience, and that's okay too. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. So we hear a lot about our students maybe working with clients that might not be their dreamy or their ideal clients. So what advice do you have to attract those clients that you really are excited to serve? So I think it's all about that alignment and communication. So first of all, getting clear for you. And we tend to do this ideal client thing, I think, once in our business or maybe once every five years or something. But we can change and that's okay. So doing this more often, getting clear on like, who are my favorite clients that I worked with in the past six months? Why? What lit me up? What am I excited about? What am I not excited about? And then even though it's a lot of work, change your marketing, which is essentially your communication accordingly. And that's your website, but it's your social media posts. It's the words you use in your advertising if you're running ads, but it's also the way you speak to people and the way you speak about your business. Change it, change it to be in alignment with what you want because people will change when you change too, right? The world kind of is a reflection of us. And so if we're if we're still stuck in talking to trying to talk to everyone who clients that aren't lighting us up, that's why we're keeping attracting that, right? And 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 also showing it in the pictures like let's say your aesthetic changes. So start showing the new work. <laughs> like just stop showing the old work if you don't want to shoot that or you don't want to shoot families anymore. Stop posting family shoots. Start posting the shoots you want to photograph. And if you need the money and someone calls you and is like, do you still do families and you need the money? Like you can take that person, but then don't post about it on social media. No one has to know. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up too, is like feeling like they need to show everything that they're doing all the time instead of what they really are joyful about and want to be doing. And you can curate all your communication. And so you can still take those jobs if you need to take them for to make ends meet. But you don't have to make that 
your branding. And so that way, when people come, new people come to you, they're meeting the new you. Because hopefully people are meeting us all the time, right? And they're meeting today, Ashley. They're not meeting yesterday, Ashley. So I don't need to fill them in on what I <laughs> like, used to do. Exactly. And you're allowed to change. Like, and yeah. I think I, I'm saying this just not even just for our listeners, for me too. Like, I really feel like I stick myself in a box and I just stay there and I don't let myself deviate from like different editing styles that I like or different things I want to shoot because like you're almost afraid. Like, what are people going to think? Yeah. And the fact is, no one notices. No yeah. one's really paying that much attention. And if you do something out there that's wild and like fun and that they haven't seen before, people are like, look at you, right? Yeah, that is so true. And like even a coach recently said to me, like, you're a creative person. You don't have to, you're not expected to do the same thing forever. Because I was even like expressing like, I don't know, I'm just not as lit up by like this old style that I was doing and I'm kind of going in a new direction. But even for me, like it's scary. Will people want this? Will people buy this? But she was like, you're a creative person. You're not meant to stay in the same box forever. That's not what creatives are meant to do. And I do think we kind of like as a society are kind of stuck in like, you know, that like older generation where you pick one thing and that's what you do for your whole life and then you cash out your retirement and then you're done and that's really not the world we live in anymore and it's okay and it's okay to change and like I think we're the ones that are the hardest on ourselves about it. I think so too. You're absolutely right. I love it. So are you ready for our lightning round? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Coffee or tea? Definitely coffee. And black or do you oh, think with like lots of oat milk and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> Most luxurious vacation you've ever been on? I feel like it's about to happen. I'm about to go to Europe for a whole month, which is like the longest I've ever been on a trip for, I guess. Um, so I'm very excited. And part of the trip, we're going to San, my friend and I are going to Santorini and we are staying in like a uh, Airbnb that has a private pool and like an ocean view. So we're feeling very baller about ourselves. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. Are you taking your camera? Um, yes. Cause it's partially a work trip. So it's like, the Santorini part isn't, that's the fun part, but, um, it's partially a work trip. So I'm helping mentor teach at a workshop in Italy. And then um, I am also photographing a client in Paris, which is going to be so fun. And and so those are the two little works. That's like eight days of working. And then the rest of the month is play in different cities across Europe. So I'm feeling like very excited. (laughs) When do you leave? When do you leave? Um, Literally like in 12 days. So I don't know. By the time this episode's out, I might be back. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Love it. Morning person or night owl? Definitely a night owl. (laughs) What did you want to be when you grew up? An actress. I really loved theater. (laughs) Love it. Same. (laughs) What was your favorite TV show as a kid? Oof. Ah, I don't know that one because I loved TV and I still to this day love TV so much. I guess it's like a little, little kid. I loved Alvin and the Chipmunks, the chip, like the cartoon in the 90s and late 80s with Britney the Chip. I loved Britney. I wanted to be Britney. (laughs) She was everything. And 
my son is named Theo or Theodore, and he's like definitely named after the chipmunk, which is like so funny and embarrassing, but I always thought he was like the cutest chipmunk. Yes. So people will be like, is he named after the president? I'm like, no, he's named after the green chipmunk. That's funny. <laughs> fun fact. So my son's name is Van. And when, oh gosh, I must have been like 20. That was when like Van Wilder came out. And I was oh, like, that's funny. Ryan Reynolds, I was like, he is such a delight. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm writing that name down. Van is going to be my boy's name. And oh, that's I so funny. ended up having a son and I named him Van. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Do you have any personal projects going on right now? And if you do, what is it? Personal projects. I feel like all the projects I have are kind of business projects, but I am working on a new podcast, but it's in the very early stages um, with a friend of mine named Kevin Conde. And then I'm working on a few new, but they're kind of top secret business projects as well. So... Yeah, I have a lot of stuff cooking. Not a lot I can say about any of it. And as Love far as it. like personally, no, I I feel like this year for me on my personal life has just been like travel. This has been yeah. a year of travel. So okay. I love it. Favorite guilty or not so guilty pleasure? Mm, guilty pleasures. I mean... I love dancing. I don't know if that's a guilty pleasure. And like musical theater. I mean, I, again, I don't wouldn't really call that a musical theater, but it's like my my pleasure, like singing show tunes and dancing around the house. Like I am thinking I'm Britney Spears or a showgirl is definitely my pastime. I love it. Okay, so favorite musical. That's too hard of a question. It's kind of like the TV. I have like, I have the top five. I have, I have like different slots of musicals. Okay, so. listen. <laughs> I would say... Cabaret is like one of my all-time favorite musicals for both the music and just the message of it. Hedwig and the Angry Inch is another top favorite, um, like kind of changed my adolescence musical, as well as Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's kind of a through line theme through yes. these musicals. My um, heart. But, <laughs> but then like Cats was the one of the first musicals. I, I think it was the second musical I ever saw, but it's like what made me fall in love with musicals and like... Like, yeah. I am a cat's head. Like, I have a cat sweatshirt oh, from the production, and it has kitty ears on the hoodie. It has the logo on the back. And I, like, I don't know if I can, like, say this because I'm a millennial, but I stand <laughs> cats. Like, I'm always going to be, like, I'm always going to be, like, if someone's talking crap about the musical cats, yeah. I'm going to be, like, defending cats. <laughs> if you don't understand a bunch of people on stage dressed as cats singing and yeah. jumping around, like, I don't know yeah. how I can help you. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Did you do musical theater in high school? I did it all my life by high school. Yeah. I wasn't quite, I was more in the like um, non-musical plays. Yeah. I wasn't doing it as much, but I have always loved it. I actually went to a performing arts high school and the musical theater program was very cutthroat and I didn't realize it, but by the time I guess I got to high school, I wasn't as skilled as I needed to be in the dance area. So you're like competing against girls who can literally put their leg up to their oh. forehead and you're just like, <laughs> this is I missed school. the memo okay. on like learning that level of flexibility. 
up until this point in my life. So funny. I love it. What has been the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? I think definitely that there is no failure. There's just lessons learned and we can look at those lessons, take what we need from them and get back up and keep going because the truth is there's so many hard, burnt outy, give uppy moments in being a business owner. But at the same time, I would never want to go work for someone else or go back to, yeah, nine. I didn't really ever have a nine to five, but go back to like a nine to five type of job. I just can't see myself doing it. So I think I'm on this ride forever, but I know there have been ups and downs and I'm sure there will be a lot more ups and downs as the years continue. But it's not really failure if you learn from it and you get up and you keep trying. And sometimes our darkest moments and hardest lessons give us the biggest highs later. And it's not until we're at that high mountaintop that we can track it back to that low valley. But that is um, part of the resilience of being a business owner. Yeah. Oh, well said. So where could our listeners learn more from you? And tell us about the course and your course. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, um, so my website is ashleytaylorportrait.com. And if you go to ashleytaylorportrait.com slash photographers, there's a whole page that links to free resources for photographers on education. I have two courses that are sold through the Portrait Master Store that are available for purchase at all times. Um, one teaches organic Instagram marketing, one teaches paid Facebook and Instagram advertising. And then um, I do, as you mentioned, have a new course that teaches Google ads. However, it does have enrollment windows. So as we're recording this tonight, the enrollment window closes. So by the time people hear this episode, I'll probably have it closed, but it will be getting ready to be launched again. So the best thing you could do would be to like DM me on Instagram and I could add you to a wait list or you could sign up for one of my free resources and then you'd be a part of my email list and you'd be notified when it goes on sale again. But that new course teaches Google ads, which like I said, is a totally separate thing, totally separate platform to Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, that's kind of what I have going on. And so my Instagram is also the social media channel that I'm most active on. So if anyone wanted to learn more about me or reach out via DM, Instagram, Ashley Taylor Portrait as well is the place to check me out. And Ashley is spelled super funky, but I guess if you're looking at this podcast, you can see that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I'd love to end my interviews just with this last question. And it is, what are you currently curious about or artistically curious about? I think what I'm curious about is what else is possible for me in terms of like gifts and where I can go next, I guess. Um, I've been really kind of like on a weird, I'm not religious at all, but like on a weird spiritual journey. And I've had some really interesting experiences this year. And I'm really curious about like, how can I harness my intuition better and maybe tap into gifts that I think all humans are innately given, but we learn to tune out of them over time. But I'm very much at the beginning of that journey. But it's funny because not to make this too long of an answer, but I used to always say like people would come to my photo shoots and kind of say like, oh, this was like a healing experience. And I'd always be like, I'm not a healer. 
I'm not a coach, you know, like in that sense, like I'm not a life coach. I'm not a healer. I'm just taking your photos. This is just a photo shoot. Yes, you feel beautiful, but it's just a photo shoot. And I kind of realized like how much I was down talking myself and the experiences that I've had with people who are on the more spiritual side of coaching or healing have been so magical that it would be like so cool to somehow infuse some of that into my life as well. But I have no idea how to exactly do do that but (laughs) I got glimpses I I love it I love it oh so excited I love it well Ashley thank you so much for your time today it's been such a treat chatting with you yeah thank you Lisa this has been amazing (laughs) oh my beautiful friends I hope you loved this conversation just as much as I did I am sending you so much of my light and my love today and every single day we will see you next time Thank you so much for listening to the Art and Soul Show. If you're the kind of person that likes helping others, please share this podcast with your photographer friends. Sharing is caring, and it's our mission to help as many photographers create a business and life they are truly passionate about. I'm here to support you on your journey, and if you have any questions, topics, or guests you would love to hear from, please shoot me a note at lisa at themilkyway.ca, and we may even feature your question in an upcoming episode.